Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm an instructor for Globia University. I own my own business, Extreme Human Performance. do online uh, coaching work, a bunch of other fun projects, and I'm currently in Cabarete, Dominican Republic. I'm not even sure I could pronounce that. Exotic. Yeah, exotic. Yeah, it's kind of nice. I'm looking at the ocean here and uh yeah got to do a little swim little run a little meditation this morning some kiteboarding yesterday so it's all good yeah you are the seamless podcaster for sure global podcaster yeah i even got my fancy mic and setup and everything here so awesome. internet's been working so it's cool yeah all right well let's get to some news uh and then uh everyone uh dr nelson and i we're going to cover some science news sports nutrition related type things uh and we're gonna look at some itunes reviews uh see what people are saying about about the show then after the break we're gonna turn things over to phil who is recording some things as i understand it from the floor of a powerlifting meet so he's gonna talk to some of the lifters um presumably after they're done with their lifts i wouldn't think he's gonna you know shove a mic in their face <laughs> while they're trying to get their head in the game but uh, i don't know what's going to happen with that but we're going to turn things over uh, to him in the second half strength and muscle sport news okay having said that i've got three pieces here uh of science news let's jump into the first one about uh muscle mass so this is from the journal of nutrition this is one of the journals from uh, arguably, for me, my home group, the American Society of Nutrition, these are the MD, PhDs of nutrition, you know, mudfuds. They're not just dietitians and that sort of thing. Uh, not that there's necessarily anything wrong with dietitians, but on average, you know, to be a member of this group, you have to be a published scientist and that sort of thing. So anyway, uh, this is by Gorison and colleagues. Uh, there's a long list of these authors, including Van Loon, who I'm sure Dr. Nelson uh, recognizes. He does lots of very cool protein research and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, So Netherlands, France, it's sort of a group project. But this is something that caught my eye because I've often wondered, like when I eat a serving of pasta, and I don't eat a ton of pasta anymore, but you look at that and there's seven grams of protein in a serving. You know, that's not a lot, but it's not minuscule, you know, like a piece of bread or less. So how anabolic is that? You know, I, I would always count that in my daily protein intake, but, you know, how anabolic is that? Well, this paper actually sought to uh, answer that in a sense. So what they did was, here, let me just start with the background. Muscle mass maintenance is largely regulated by basal muscle protein synthesis and the capacity to stimulate muscle protein synthesis after food intake. Now, already this is reminding me of our little chat with Dave Barr, Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know we are talking about how much of of the lifting and eating 
anabolic effects. They're just additive, and there's nothing magical about the post-workout window, for example. Go back and listen to that episode if if you want to get some critique on that whole nutrient timing concept. Not that it's entirely bogus, but anyway. So here they're talking about you maintain your muscle mass based on basically regular uh, protein intake. It says the postprandial, so that means, you know, after eating, after you're sort of eaten and digested it, muscle protein synthetic response is modulated by the amount of protein, the source, and the type consumed. And I think we know that, right? Whey versus casein versus, in this case, wheat. Um, It says, however, uh, there's few data to support the contention that plant-based proteins are less potent at stimulating muscle protein synthesis. I'm not sure I agree with that, Steve. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, maybe <laughs> they, just, basis. they just need um, an impetus or a purpose here. So anyway, so they're going to look. So what they did was, now, th- they took older guys. So uh, a lot of these guys are pushing 70. So you might be, oh, it doesn't apply to me. Listen, uh, they're still human beings. <laughs> and <laughs> now they might be anabolic resistant. So the doses, if you're a young man, you might want to, I mean, gosh, you could almost cut these doses in half or maybe cut them by a third and they'd, they'd probably apply to you, right? Because you got to feed older guys a little bit more. But having said that, uh, so they took 60 of these older men and they gave them 35 grams of wheat protein hydrolysate, 35 grams of micellar casein, uh, 35 grams of whey, or 60 grams of wheat protein hydrolysate. Wow. So again, to, they, they want to try to recognize maybe that there's not as much leucine in wheat as there is in whey, for example. So we're just going to give them so much wheat protein that it's it's the equivalent, you know, uh, maybe. So it says there was an increase in plasma essential amino acid concentrations that was greatest after ingesting the whey. That's probably not a surprise. We know whey is a fast protein. Yep. Um, it says the postprandial increase in plasma leucine was great, greatest after ingesting the whey. Uh, but this is where they it gets interesting. It says, um, let's see, despite similar leucine contents, that is a total dose of 4.4 grams of leucine, your blood levels of leucine are going to be higher after the whey. So, interesting. interesting. Uh, and now it does say, uh, nevertheless, the ingestion of wheat protein, 60 grams, increased myofibrillar protein synthesis above basal. Still, that's not much of a claim, you know. Yeah, better than but not nothing. The same as whey, correct? Right, right. So they're saying it's better than nothing. Uh, conclusions: <laughs> the myofibrillar protein synthetic response to the ingestion of 35 grams of casein, because they, they they examined that as well, of course, is greater than after an equal amount of wheat protein. Okay, it says ingesting a larger amount of wheat protein, up to 60 grams, substantially increases myofibrillar protein synthesis rates in healthy older men. Again, better than nothing. So they're dancing around making comparisons between the wheat, the whey, and the casein. My take on all this is that uh, if you double up almost on the amount of wheat, you can get a protein synthetic response, uh, but you're not going to get the leucine into your bloodstream as well as if you had used, you know, the dairy proteins, like, you know, the whey. So um, I don't know. I, I think maybe my practical application of this is what i've always done is yes count it it's real protein intake but i don't think i'm going to rely on plant proteins like wheat protein uh, you know to get to max out my muscle protein synthesis response 
Yeah, and that, that matches some animal work Dr. Lane Norton did uh, years ago when he was doing his PhD in animals, and they showed a very similar uh, response to that, too. And what you're saying also about more protein, I think it was Tang uh, et al. a couple of years ago, maybe four or five years ago now, showed that using a rice protein comparison to whey, again, in older adults, I think the mean age was like 71 you could get a similar response, but instead of a 20-gram dose, you needed a 40-gram dose. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Now, you know what? In, in one sense, that supports the meathead mentality that just mm-hmm. eat a ton of food, you know, and by eating huge amounts of food, like I, I used to eat a pound of pasta at a time, you know. <laughs> so when you're eating enormous amounts of food, uh, yeah, it's almost just like that mass action effect, like ramrod it, you know. If, if you're not eating something extremely high quality – just consume more of it. I, I, yeah. It seems logical to me. So, but that's a I mean, July. Carbohydrates will spike insulin, which also is anti-catabolic. I mean, oh, you don't sure. Spike insulin sky high to to see that effect, but just eating, you know, more frequently and just being able to consume more food helps with that too. Right. There's no doubt. More more micronutrition. You know, yep. your carbohydrates and the insulin response. Right. All that stuff. I just thought that was interesting because that's uh, that's actually EPUB ahead of print. It's not even out yet. Um, yeah, I've got a, one real quick one here too, just related to that. Actually, from MedSci and Exercise, 2016 in August. So again, just ahead of publication here. Uh, this is from Dr. Stu Phillips' lab. Uh, lower integrated muscle protein synthesis in masters compared with younger athletes. And briefly, they looked at uh, five masters uh, triathletes who were aged uh, 53 compared them to six younger athletes who were age 27. And the short answer is what they found was so that uh, lower mean protein rates in the well-trained athletes over three hours of training, uh, poor protein and remodeling actually in the older group. So they did a bunch of sampling, did a bunch of testing, and similar to what we've already talked about, the older athletes did not respond to the exact same degree as the younger athletes to the same dose. Yeah, it, I'd like to see someone study the mechanism thereof, right? I mean, is it because you can't just say they have lower testosterone because that's not as cut and dry as people would think. Oh, the young guys have more testosterone, yeah, they're more anabolic. That, that's, that. No, right? So, you know, is it, a, is it the synergy that I think we know exists between testosterone and growth hormone because both of those hormones would be lower in age? Uh, is it something with the gut? I, I don't know, you know, but, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and there's been some groups I know, I don't know if this has been published yet, have been looking at doing it immediately back to the timing effect after exercise and increasing, you know, leucine above maybe a 3.5 grams, which is probably the high end of a leucine threshold, and, you know, using a high-quality protein such as whey and a higher amount and see if they can get rates that are similar. And, you know, they probably can, right? It just goes back to your whole thing of, well, if you're older, you probably need more protein, not less. Right on. Yep. Uh, you know, I think that's interesting, too, because a lot of people have the mindset that when they're trying to grow, they start scoops of protein powder and, and thinking about the protein. Yeah. When in fact, I think in many ways the opposite is true. You know, when your agree. calorie intake is down, I mean, that goes all the way back to Gail Butterfield's work back from like the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. you know, that when your calories are low, your protein needs go up, you know. So, yeah, or yeah. In, when you're injured, you know, because people, they lack motivation. Well, I'm hurt. I can't really train my butt off in the gym, so I'm not going to fool with the supplements. 
maybe that's when you need the protein the most. Yeah, and from the stuff that Dr. Jose Antonio has done showing that protein overfeeding, it's really hard to gain fat from that. I talked to Stu Phillips a couple of weeks ago about that too, and you get the satiety effects, so you feel full, you're not as hungry, and just mechanistically there's a whole bunch of things that have to happen in the body in order to take excess protein and to actually store it as fat. So oh, it's just amen. not going to happen at all. Amen, brother. I, I point out, when I used to teach in a dietetics department, uh, I would point out, because the dietitians would say, excess calories in any form lead to body fat. I said, that's too simplistic. I would yeah. show them quotes from the Mike Houston biochemistry book, and it would clearly show that the fate of those uh, amino acids, you know, are gluconeogenesis, oxidation. It's not lipogenesis. You don't yeah. turn those extra calories into uh, extra fat. Certainly not in the way that you, if you had consumed extra fats and carbs. Yeah. You know. Uh, in fact, I have some data that I've, I've been meaning to present at ISSN. I've been looking at the coffee stuff so much lately. I haven't revisited all the rest of my protein data, but it says the same thing. Um, we looked at guys on very high protein intakes, 250 grams a day, and um, they were no fatter. Uh, they, they were eating far more protein. You know, we just did diet records, right? Mm -hmm. Every, we controlled for their training and a lot of the different things that you think would affect it. And, uh, yeah, these guys were eating twice as much protein as the control group, even more than double. And their body composition was no different. You know, so and I think you're, like you were saying, it's it's sort of an autocorrect feature. It was more of a retrospective study, though, so we weren't going back and fixing, sure, you know, controlling things in that way. It was sort of a quasi-experimental model, but clearly the guys that were pounding the protein, huge amounts of protein, were not any fatter. And like you said, it's got the satiety value. They probably ate less junk. In fact, I've had good success with clients uh, by just having them count grams of quality protein you know relatively oh, yeah. lean protein and just counting grams of protein every day you can end up with a with better body comp over a couple of months you know yeah no that's that's exactly what i look at if they do have a you know diet record and they send it in and their protein is super low and they're exercising that's you know 99 percent of the time that's the first thing i'm going to do is you know get about you know body weight times 0.7 as a minimum uh, grams of protein or if you're female, you can do the real simple four by 30. So four meals at 30 grams. Mm -hmm. so if you're a little bit bigger guy, you know, four meals by 40. And that puts you a little bit on the lower end. But, you know, if someone was eating 30 grams or 40 grams of protein a day, that's a massive difference. Oh, right. And if you look at the RDA tables, you know, in a yeah, it's like textbook. like grams a day. Yeah, it's like for the entire day, 50 grams of protein. What? You yeah. know, it's laughable. That's one meal for yeah, most of our listeners. That's one big steak for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right. Okay. Uh, all right. So, yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, I have two more here before we get to some iTunes reviews. We're just going to look at some fun stuff here, everybody. But this next one is a little silly, uh, but I wanted to throw it out because I bet some of you have thought about this. Now, some of you maybe haven't, <laughs> but is this, this is called um, Good Poop for Good Health. So this is from labroots.com. They have a couple of science writers writing for them, but it, they bring up neat topics and they show videos. In fact, I'll put a link to the video on the Iron Radio uh, listeners page on Facebook. But this is brand spanking new. It's, uh, let's see, it's less than three days old. So it says many factors influence the bowels from genetics and health issues to medications and hydration. 
consistency is what individuals should look for, not a specific stool. They're hmm. trying to be nice there and say not a specific type of turd. <laughs> uh, so what they did in this video was they interviewed a gastroenterologist. And I actually felt like they were sort of insulting to this uh, lady because, you know, she's an incredibly educated gastroenterologist. And they keep, you know, the girl's calling her a poop specialist and a poop doctor. And I'm like, <laughs> I think it goes a little bit beyond that, just a little bit beyond that. But, yeah. um, but she was asking her about what your stool should look like and – uh, again, so I, I digress back to the, the article here. A short-term change in bowel movements because of food that doesn't agree with you isn't a problem if it returns to normal after a few days. It's the long-term changes that are an issue. Like she pointed out, like if you have pencil-thin poopy and and it continues day after day, more than a week, that's a concern. You know, maybe there's something strange going on. I don't know if there's some kind of obstruction or I, I don't know what she's getting at there. But uh, there's some other signs and symptoms that could indicate trouble. And I've had listeners uh, send emails about these sorts of things. So, oh, says, yeah. for example, small stools like pebbles indicate constipation. And that's because uh, maybe the transit time is too long or you're you're dehydrated and uh, – it's the same thing with if it's not pebbly, if it's if it's all intact, but it looks kind of like a bunch of pebbles stuck together. That's also dehydration. So you need probably need more fluid. Uh, that's probably a safe recommendation for most people anyway. Um, it says color wise, normal stool can range from yellows to greens to browns. Uh, in the video, the woman actually talked about it's really only an issue if you see. Uh, red, or if your poop is very, very white, that could be an indicator of health problems. But any, they, they showed her some very green poop. She's like, no, normal. So wow. um, interesting stuff. It says uh, here in the article, simply following a good diet often treats minor gastrointestinal issues. And, of course, doctors recommend eating unprocessed natural foods because, A, those help you avoid the artificial sweeteners, right? But, B, there's also um, some things that can be, uh, fodder, food, health for your microbiome in your gut. And they said especially, you know, you can eat things like naturally fermented foods, sauerkraut, pickles, uh, kefir, uh, stuff like that. So it was an, it, kind of interesting. I've actually had just a little bit of exposure in the past to fecal stuff when we used to do whole body nitrogen balance studies. Oh, yeah. Uh, messy, you know, biology is messy, yeah. people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially when you're looking at nutrition stuff. So, and you know all this stuff about fecal transplants now, you know, and and all that kind of stuff. Poop is in the news, and so it's it only makes sense to me. You know, you think we obsess so much about what goes in the front, shouldn't you kind of give some thought as to how it's coming out the other side? You know, but anyway. Yeah, and the one thing I've noticed in myself, and even just in clients, is that people don't also take into account their stress level. So a lot of times, even by just getting them to be less stressed, whether it's you know breathing work or whatever you want to do as an intervention, um, that can make a pretty massive difference too. Because when you're stressed, you're going to have more of the fight or flight response. You're going to purposely divert you know blood flow away from your gut, so that's going to obviously influence your digestion too. Hey, good point. I never I never thought about that shunting idea. Yeah. 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 Because you figure out like especially that's why I use heart rate variability. So in some people I see that are just chronically stressed, it's pretty rare that their digestion is good you know and you know, some of them have gone off and spent you know five grand on functional med testing and there's a time and place for that but if your stress level is just sky high 
you know, just get that under control and then, you know, kind of see what normalizes from there. I know when I finished my PhD and basically just burnt myself crispy, I spent like eight months just trying to get back to normal. And my stress level was, you know, much better. Um, still had a bunch of digestion problems. So ended up seeing a functional med doc buddy of mine. And yeah, I got to do all my own uh, poo testing and stuff. So I had to save some of the samples for up to like five days. So you had to do a sample each day in little different containers and stuff. So oh, I man. Yeah. didn't tell my wife that was hiding in the fridge. <laughs> oh, that's so rough. Yeah, not good. <laughs> It wasn't a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, too, when you think pathologically. Like, uh, sure. you know, if I put on my clinical nutrition hat for a minute. Yeah, think about people with IBS, irritable bowel and stuff. They often have these sort of stressed type A, worrisome type personalities or at least conditions around them, you know, behaviors. Yeah. Uh, and I, that's painting with some broad brush strokes. But there's some truth to that. And what you're talking about with uh, – um, you know, the shunting of blood away from the gut and that sort of thing, that's got to play some role in a lot of that, you know, so. Yeah, and my guess is that I think it goes both ways, right? So most most pathways in physiology are a two-way street, and we know now there's direct connections between the gut and the brain, and it's all regulated via autonomics. So I've often wondered in the case of, for example, IBS, it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg, but if they had the IBS first, if we could show that, because their digestion is so kind of goofed up from that, does that then make them feel more stressed? Right. My guess is probably yes. You know, last year there was a paper that came out about that where they were, I think they were showing for the first time fairly concretely that there are chemical mediators that are released by the quote-unquote bad bacteria in the gut, and they do mm -hmm. affect m mental function. Yes. So yeah. yeah, yeah. There's some pretty good data on that now, actually. So yeah, I agree. All right, we got one more, and then we're going to do some reviews, and then we're going to turn things over to Phil. So if you're not into the nutrition science sort of thing that we do here, um, you can skip to the second half of this show. <laughs> of course, I'm saying this like 20 minutes in, but um, <laughs> where Phil's going? Yeah, save Phil's yourself. <laughs> He's just going to be out on the floor, you know, doing interviews and that sort of thing, asking questions of the lifters. So, um, again, trying to swing the pendulum both ways, right? Science, lift, lift, science. Uh, this last one, it says, this is also from labroots.com. In fact, I should give the author if I didn't for that last one. That was Carmen Leach, L-E-I-T-C-H. But labroots, and this one is also from labroots. This one is from Kara Marker. This is called it's actually a cranberry a day to keep the doctor away and this makes me feel kind of good because lately i've been getting instant uh, oatmeal you can buy instant oats with whey protein in it you know and uh you can get the cranberry one and i'll throw extra almonds and and dried cranberries in with it you know i've, I've tweeted on this before you can see pictures and stuff but um very handy it's just a way to sort of make it a little bit more like a meal than a sad little bowl of instant oats you know but uh anyway <laughs> so i've been bowl. <laughs> i've been doing some of this let's see what it says uh whether it's juice sauce or raw fruit consuming cranberries is one of the best ways to achieve the trifecta of health digestive cardiovascular and immune and mm. so she's going to go through and and touch on some recent findings and mechanisms here in this but Again, this is more like a this is a science journalist, right? So it's more of a reader friendly piece than something that Dr. Nelson and I would actually read and debate and, and not on air. <laughs> Probably not on air. 
anthrocyanides. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, they're they're talking about the the phenolic content uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. They she points to um, anthocyanidins, I think. But anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, the secret to the healthy cranberry effect, a rich, rich supply of polyphenols, a class of bioactive compounds found in many fruits and vegetables. And it says geneticists, immunologists, and nutrition scientists are all studying polyphenols. Uh, and that's accurate. Uh, it says uh, there are centers devoted to studying some of these healthy components like polyphenols. And again, fruits and vegetables. It says the unique polyphenol profile in cranberries stems from their tendency to interact with other bioactive compounds, leading to healthy benefits that protect the health of the gut microbiota, as well as providing antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so she goes on to uh, – there's a, quite a few things in this piece here, so I could just uh, summarize this stu- some of this stuff, but – Cranberry proanthocyanidins, a specific type of polyphenol, are known to prevent the colonization of harmful bacteria like E. coli in the gut. Hey, oh, interesting. interesting, right? So I like that they're they're getting more specific. Like, don't just tell me it's going to make my gut bacteria healthier. Like, what's it going to do? Right. So uh, cranberry polyphenols also help regulate cardiovascular health, including blood flow and endothelial function. So. That's very interesting to me with all this stuff about arginine-based pre-workouts and this and that. Um, this is an argument that, you know, if, if you're not getting a pump, maybe it's some, it's one of those hundred different factors, I'm sure. But uh, one of the things that might actually help with blood flow and getting a pump and that sort of thing when you're in the gym. I know a lot of powerlifters don't necessarily do that, but the bodybuilders do. So Yeah, I've actually played around with uh, pomegranate juice for that reason, just to see if there was an effect or not. and. I don't know. Maybe it was all in my head. There seemed to be a slight effect, but I needed a whole bunch of it. So it could have been just the insulin effect from drinking that much, too. <laughs> no, right. See, I, I always think that, too. Like, how much of this is from the insulin effect? I used to tell mm-hmm. students, especially after you and I saw that paper about when they gave people sodium nitroprusside, you know, to open yeah, up their vascular biology. beds. Yeah, and they were no more protein synthetic. I'm like... That is, unless they also infused some amino acids or insulin, I believe. But so I'm like, well, the practical take from all this is just have a banana and you know 20 to 40 grams of whey protein before you go to the gym. Then you'll get you'll get a pump. You'll get vasodilation from the insulin effect, and the blood's carrying the nutrients in that you want. You know. Yeah, that's why I know we had Anthony and Dave Baron, who you know worked for Generate, which makes Vitargo and. That's why I'm a big fan of that. I don't make any money from them. But um, very insulinogenic in a very short period of time, absorbed very well. And exactly what you said, if you combine it with the faster protein, you know, you get the bump in insulin beforehand. So you get possibly a little vasodilation effect. You've got, you know, more fuel that's potentially available. And then from a metabolic standpoint, as you push insulin up, you're actually pushing your body to use more carbohydrates which is exactly what you want to do when you're weight training. Right, so. an intense workout, yeah. Yep. Hey, maybe that's what we, that's our million dollars there, bud. We'll create like a cranberry pomegranate whey protein sh- pre-workout shake or something. Yeah, there you go. And just put a bunch of carbohydrates in it and a little citrulline mallet, and you're all set. You know, I, I know some people Someone email say, us. <laughs> right? It's probably already out there. <laughs> I know some people say that, you know, we ramble and, and that sort of thing, and they're looking for the gold nuggets. But I can tell you another another practical application from this is uh, this is an, another, to me, 
strike against the if it fits your macros guys because you can't I, I don't care if your macros are identical and you're living on you know Twinkies or whatever this is a good example and again the, the federal government's suggesting this to whole fruits for a reason right not just mm-hmm. processed I think they're saying at least half of your fruit intake needs to be really whole fruits it's because of the phenolic stuff I mean the, to me some of the most potent effects of nutrition are long term it's not trying to fix someone in a three-day length of stay in a hospital, you know, trying to make all these changes, and three days later, they're somehow magically fixed. I mean, clinical dietetics seems to be focused on that a lot. But stuff like phenolic content, uh, let's, let's face it, you're not going to get this cranberry-type effect or a pomegranate-type effect out of those Twinkies for your carbohydrate source, you know. so Because yeah. I worked with a few of the real more hardcore, if it fits your macros in the past, and, you know, yeah, body count wise, they were you know pretty good. Sure. But if I yeah. just looked at their dietary log, I'm like, oh. The first thing I did is just dramatically had them increase their micronutrition. So just you know grab a blender, make like a veggie shake with. I like using uh, some type of greens, uh, like uh, cilantro is good. Parsley, throw some whole pineapple in there. Even throw in like green tea, other stuff like that, and mixed berries just basically throw in as much different colored vegetable fruit oh, yeah. looking stuff even avocados to make it creamy you know yeah yeah blend it all together and you know just drink as many of those as you can a day i mean there's not that much in it for calories and those people are pretty good at counting their calories anyway and pretty much after even like a few days or a couple of weeks everyone across the board is like oh I feel so much better. See, my my joints yeah. don't hurt as bad. I have more energy. Mood. I'm not as lethargic. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. See, that's I guess that's my point. I, I'm not going to argue that if it fits your macros thing for a very short-term kind of diet. And let's face it, a lot of guys might be like, well, that's what I'm about, mister. Okay. You know, yeah. I've been there many times, you know. But <laughs> at the same time, yeah, do you – even if you can reach the same end result – but you feel like hell. Like you said, yeah. your joints ache. You're in a bad mood. You can't get a pump. At some point, I don't know. Joints hurt. I'd rather feel great. And let's face it. It's not like what we're talking about is gross. Avocados are delicious. You know, like you're talking about throwing greens in your shakes. I mean, Chad Waterbury even throws broccoli in his shakes. Yeah. You know, that you actually broccoli works. Broccoli with an apple? I think I may have stole this from Chad. It, it actually doesn't taste too bad. Yep. If you don't like your vegetables, yeah, blend them yeah. up. I, I keep threatening to go buy a juicer. Maybe we'll do an episode on juicing. I'll get uh, sort of an expert on it, but uh, I keep threatening to do that. They're a little costly, but uh, instead of – now, I have a pretty powerful blender, but I always just throw bananas and fruit in and, and that sort of thing or peanut butter with my protein stuff you know, and some ice cubes. But I have some incredible protein shake recipes. Maybe we do an episode on that. you know. So Yeah, I found the trick is I've got one of the, the Ninja blenders, which is just a cheap Vitamix knockoff, and – it works pretty good, and I found that if I throw uh, large ice cubes in there because of how fast they spin around in there, they get it so that the consistency is pretty good, and that way I get all the fiber and everything else in there too, and I just rinse it out, and it's easy cleanup, and I think there's some advantages to, to juicing. The downside is you kind of remove a lot of the fiber and everything else, and right. most of them are just a pain in the butt to clean too. So Right. I actually show a, a film, and we critique it. We look for what the good and the bad, but we show that fat, sick, and nearly dead in my oh, basic yeah. nutrition class. And it's all about ju- this guy uses juicing. It's almost a Chris Shugart velocity diet type approach where yeah. he, he's just single-minded. He's only going to drink juice, you know, and um, 
for I don't know how long it was. It was an extended period of time and how much weight he lost and all that sort of stuff. But, of course, there's no protein in some of what he's doing. So for most physique athletes be like, yeah, that's fine, but I want to hang on to my muscle mass. I mean, yeah. I was just reading a paper, right? Your muscle mass is mostly determined by your anabolic response to the food, regular meals, so including proteins. Anyway, uh, just to wrap this up, it says, lastly, okay, with the cranberries, studies show that uh, the immune system – uh, in the immune system, cranberry bioactives reduce the presence of biomarkers of lipid peroxidation and advanced oxidation protein products. In other words, basically biomarkers of inflammation. Uh, the collection of findings that have been presented in this article, uh, a lot of it stemmed from a 2015 cranberry conference. And believe it or not, yes, there's <laughs> whole conferences just on one type of thing. I went to a conference in Finland uh, long ago that was just about CLA, a special fatty Oh, that's fatty right. Acid. I remember that. That was years ago you went oh, there. Oh, yeah. But the, I guess the point being is, you know, they can be very specific. A lot of this comes from, but here's the, what I think listeners might want to know from this. It says, the data stem from multiple in vitro, right, so in a dish or a test tube, animal model and human studies providing a firm foundation of credibility for the results. So interesting stuff about cranberries. Like I said, there's some practical tips for you to throw them into your oatmeal or I don't know how well they would go dried cranberries into a shake, but um, the dried ones go great in oats. You throw in a handful of nuts and some cranberries and just fiend all out, brother. Yeah, and reduce your uh, risk of UTIs, too, or urinary tract infections. Absolutely. Oh, that's right. We, I'd be remiss not to at least mention yeah. that. Yeah. So, okay, so there's a, a couple of papers from uh, the doctors. What about iTunes reviews? Uh, I noticed that we had one that was just like a three-star review. You know, could we have a couple hundred? And whenever you look at these sorts of things, you know, people have a negativity bias. You know, it's like when I get teaching evaluations, all this stuff, I say <laughs> great stuff, and I focus on the one. And then you have to be, like, big enough about it, mature enough to say, is there some truth in it? You know, so, uh, I don't know. Let's just go back over the last couple, if you got them in front of you. Yeah, so this one is from Bastano, B-A-S-A-N-T-O, uh, June, let's see. Eh, that's an old one. Let me go back to... I uh, apologize. Most recent. That was from 2010. So we'll do a little, a little more recent here. Oh, yeah. Let's do all the uh, most recent. Yeah. Yeah. A Bruno. I uh, really enjoyed the news section, not just for the articles, but for the informed commentary following is invaluable. Ooh. A sheer amount of experience contained within the usual and common guests. Uh, hosts always bring the information and topics to life. I've been listening for years and will continue to anticipate every new episode. So, Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, next one here is from Jacked Tan. Uh, Iron Radio is the best strength and conditioning podcast around. The guys have delivered consistent quality over the years and a major influence on my health and well-being. I really appreciate their insights to different areas of strength work. I like that they back up their experience with science. My only is complaint is that I would. My only complaint is that I want more because I work out three times a week and listen to them every time I go to the gym. I feel like the guys are also my training partners. And I miss Rob, who uh, I enjoy hearing from every once in a while. You know, I'm trying to get Rob back <laughs> on because we got we got contacted about having Robbie Robinson on. And I would oh, love sweet. to do that show. And oh, I think awesome. Rob would probably, well, maybe not call off work, but he would bend over backwards to do that one. And that's the kind of one I, I really need Rob to do that, right? After working for, oh, yeah. God, 20 years on and off at Muscle Mag International and other pubs, 
he's he's so good at interviewing those bodybuilders, you know. So yeah, it reminds me of the old uh, Bill Pearl episode that people can find in the archives, which I think is still probably one of my favorites. Oh, I, yeah, what a class act, and yeah, and Rob's so good at, at interviewing. Rob doesn't get starstruck by some of those guys, and I do a little bit. Oh <laughs> yeah, know. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> like geeking out. Oh, my god, Bill Pearl. So <laughs> yeah, we. I'm still going to work on Rob to get him at least on as a – we can't call him a guest. I mean, for God's sake, he's one of the founding hosts. But um, we're, we're always trying to get Fortress back around. So, Cool. Uh, most of them have been like four or five stars. This one has been a three-star. So it's way too long. These guys talk too much. Show should be – show lasts an hour but should be 25 minutes. Good information tucked in discussions, but you really have to have the patience of a saint to sit through all the bro chatter first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny about that is, oh, I think I texted you about this one. Yeah, you I? did. Yeah, it's I'm like, too podcast. much talk on a talk show. <laughs> That's like complaining about too much sports when you watch ESPN. But uh. <laughs> now having said that, um, I do edit the show, uh, but not. I don't try to shrink it down. I do know, though, a lot of the popular podcasts in the like the top fifty in the health and fitness and whatnot, uh, they're brief. They're little, almost sound bites because the society has just moved toward the, you know, uh, sort of an ADD. You know, I can only focus for two minutes or less or yeah. twenty minutes. I certainly see that with students in the classroom, but oh, yeah. there there are the people who like the bro talk you know or they like the hour long we went we decided on the hour long format because like i drive almost an hour to work i sometimes listen to old episodes Mm -hmm. you know so it's just the format uh but (laughs) trust me if i didn't edit it it'd be way worse (laughs) than it is now but i i just don't try to shrink it i don't know what your thoughts are mike about length but i i don't I don't think it's as big of a deal because if you, even if you look at like Joe Rogan's podcast or really like even Tim Ferriss has a great podcast. Um, there's some other ones, uh, Dan Carlin, Hardcore History, that are very long format. You know, a lot of it is not real heavy on the editing. You know, and they've been real popular, and you oh, know, I, it yeah. takes me quite a while to get through an episode sometimes. But the nice part is, if you get you know halfway through, you come back, you listen to a few more minutes here and there. Um, so yeah, you got a whole that's week. My bias. No, that's true, and I will say this: we do add little bumpers. I mean, there are segments. You know, we do the, we do the the news. Uh, we'll do some listener mail. We do an origin story interview. You know, and then the second half of the show is always a specific topic. At least we're breaking up that hour. I mean, a lot of really amateurish podcasts they just hit record and they just ramble. You know, and there's no show sections or like little sound bumpers to separate them or. Or anything. Or sometimes so. even a topic. <laughs> or even a topic. Yeah. So, you know, at least we do what we can to break that up. But it's like I said, you just you got to be mature enough to say, okay, what in this is good? Because, you know, uh, I appreciate the, imp- the input. You know, the, um, that reviewer was not a, a jerk. But I don't know. No, and I think it's just, you know, a lot of, you know, what each person likes. You know, some people are going to gravitate to very shorter shows some people are going to like longer stuff some people like more of the science some people like more of the meathead stuff oh, exactly. you know, and that's just the way it goes yeah and you know what sometimes we talk about little tidbits people have to sift for gold sometimes uh, that stuff comes out in a conversation like we could just do a bulleted yeah. list we could get all the juiciest stuff but we not might not be able to come up with it unless dr nelson you know he just read a study that I wasn't aware of, or Phil brings up a point about practical application. This stuff comes out during the conversation, so I think we you learn a lot just by having a conversation. 
So, yeah. And I think it's to our advantage that you know all of us have known each other for many, many years, so it makes having a conversation pretty easy. Oh, you know, that's true. Yeah, we're everybody's friends on this show, right? And, yeah, honestly, I think the humor is heavier when Fortress and when I managed to get him on because he's just yeah. – he's such a personality, you know, but it's, that's a good point, right? There's going to be some level of chemistry with everybody because we, we really do these things <laughs> and we actually know each other, so – Another one, uh, Weekly Listener by Cycles Blood. I'm a trainer with a few certifications, and I learn something new each week from Iron Radio. These guys don't promote gimmicks, but break down the science of what works. Cool. Awesome. Uh, That's one by Reckon House. Thank you guys for your commitment on giving us accurate, knowledgeable, and scientific information. Us science geeks that move heavy objects for fun also enjoy the science behind it. Keep up the great work. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, that's very nice. Uh, looks like this guy is Gojira24601. Maybe he's a fan of that band, I'm not sure. Uh, shows a perfect blend of real-world experience backed by the latest scientific research. This is the most educational fitness podcast out there. Strongman, powerlifter, bodybuilder, there's something for everybody here. I think the flavor is is important, right? There are some really good podcasts out there in different genres, but even on the lifting side, if you want this sort of you know alpha male bravado stuff uh, over the top from the beginning to the end, we're probably not that. You know, no. we're gonna we're we're more more of that sort of mix. I mean, we we know what it's like to compete in different things and struggle and diet and all that stuff and yeah and you know we've we went to school for this stuff and honestly that makes a difference there are some podcasts in the 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 top genres where i sort of wince i can't listen to them because i'm like oh god that's not how that works and i imagine (laughs) the damage that's done sometimes and that sounds elitist but i think i don't think that's elitist at all i spent a lot of money and time to study these things for real you know and sometimes a, a, a host will get on there and he'll start Oh, I, okay. I don't even want to start, but <laughs> no hate, right? But oh my God, the misinformation that gets spread around. So yeah, it's sometimes when they try to divert off into explaining why and the little mechanisms, and it's not correct. It's like no, just either stay in your lane or just be like, I don't know. You know, okay. I like that. Stay <laughs> in your lane, dude. Stay in your lane. <laughs> Sit down before you hurt yourself. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's a good point, too. There's going to be things we don't know. In fact, we did an episode a little while ago called Things We Don't Know. Science yeah. is like that. So, okay. Maybe one more? Yeah. So this one's from Manager Chris. I listen to all kinds of fitness podcasts. They put out one every week, no matter what. This is my favorite out of all of them. Another free one. I have not contributed to them yet, but I will... Need to stop and take time out and send them a hundred dollars. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, I've that's... been listening to you guys for three years now, or about. Thank you for your commitment. You know, I really appreciate nice. that. Yeah, uh, one of the things we don't do that some podcasts do is there's different formats for podcasts. Some are sponsored, some follow the sort of listener supported model, and we do not pester you. I don't know if people realize this, but it, we do a fall funds drive usually, you know, sort of like a holiday funds drive and that sort of thing. And we don't have a segment every episode. And I listen to some podcasts in other genres and they are constantly begging for money. Oh, go to Patreon and and money, 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 money. And we don't do that, right? We try purposely to keep that. I mean, there's a little might be a little ad at the middle or the end of the show, but 
you can avoid that. It's not woven into the conversation for 10 minutes every damn week. So that's intentional. Yeah, which I think that's actually pretty rare. And it's not like any of us are making a ton of money from the podcast. But I think all of us feel the same way that, you know, these things have taken us a while to accumulate. And if we can help someone else avoid all the, the blood, sweat, tears, and money and everything else that went into it, and they can benefit from it, then... That's all the better. Right. Well, like the one listener, the review said about, you know, the commentary that follows the news and the mail. That's true. I mean, between us, amongst the different hosts with our different expertise, we can answer almost, almost anything, I think, when it comes to fitness and nutrition. Or if we can't, we can look it up or get a guest on who can, you know. So. Yeah, and I think that's the, the nice part, too, is having that, that network, too. You know, it's like I'm pretty fortunate, same as you and everyone else on here, that if we don't know the answer we probably between us know someone who does so we can you know we probably know them personally so you can call them up and be like hey what about xyz so that makes it really nice okay i think we better cut it there so we can uh, squeeze in phil and get his uh some audio live from a powerlifting meet that kind of stuff is very helpful i think for people who are thinking about a power meet or they want to see how phil runs his meets or or, you know, whatever. It just kind of gets it out on the floor. I, I think that's one of the best things a podcast can do is go get some sound bites and samples from actual events. So uh, that'll, be up, uh, that'll be it for Dr. Nelson and myself. And after the break, we'll join Phil. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what, uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry and what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that, and uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book, but that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So – Uh, Whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, 
uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, everybody, this is Phil Stevens, and it is the morning after of the Sunflower State Games piloting meet. Like I said, we're doing something a little different this week, and I was asking some questions of some of the lifters at the meet. So I'll answer a few here, too, before we get going, but it was kind of a it was a big meet. I had 10 lifters, so bounced around a little bit, asked people, which was kind of crazy at the same time. Um... The first question that, that I'll address was from Ronnie Boss. He asked, how was the experience? Was there plenty of warm-up room, plenty of time, plenty of equipment, things like that? And uh, Ben Moore, who came in and killed it yesterday, set new uh, American records in the squat and hit an 804 deadlift, uh, came on the, the page and answered it too. But there was, it was a great facility. Um, big, huge, wide-open facility. At the same time, they had ju- a jiu-jitsu competition going. But there was plenty of equipment to warm up. Three separate squat racks. Um, plenty of weights. Um, the only thing, I mean, air conditioning could have been better, but it was 105 degrees outside, and there was 500 people in the building between the two sports. So it wasn't bad. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they gave plenty of time to warm up. They ran the meat well. Um, there was four flights. And, uh, you know, you just have to know how to manage your time wisely. And, uh, you know, other than that, I mean, it was ran as well as I've seen other meets run, um, and better than most. So, um, we're, we like Ben said, we're pretty spoiled in this area. Most of the meets are ran pretty well. Um, and then Mitch Lazorko asked for the lifters, have you ever felt like, uh, had the feeling after a meet that you could have lifted more? And I think, yeah, lifters get that all the time. And uh, like, again, Ben said, I mean, that's part of the beauty and the jaw of the sport is that you're trying to find that edge without failing. So, of course, if you go nine for nine, you're like, oh, man, I left I left weight on the platform. You know, and if you go the opposite, if you go three for nine, you know, now you kind of feel like you had a crappy day, even though, you know, for that day, that was your edge, you know, and you, you stepped over it. So it's, it's finding and training and through experience it meets just what you're capable of and trying to go to that edge and maybe a little step over Um, because for a lot of lifters that meets you can step over that edge just a little bit and you know we were lucky in that a bunch of my lifters we were taking records on thirds so if they wanted to they could take shots on fourths and uh, we were able to do that and then you know you take a few steps over that edge if possible but uh you know, that was that was good. And then um for Nash Keegley, 
he's asking one of the judges, is there a trick to judging squat depth on really big guys? And uh, JP answered this pretty good. Uh, Kegley was wondering this because his training partner's 320 pounds, has huge legs and glutes, so parallel looks very different on him. Uh, you know, JP said, personally, I think it's the same for everyone. If anything, speed affects the judging. And I think that's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's if you have a real fast dive bomb squatter, when parallel happens in a second, you know, that's the hardest to judge. Once you understand that you're looking for the hip crease in the knee and you know where those are at, I don't think it's that hard. I mean, it doesn't move on anybody. So you're, you're just looking for that to cross parallel. And if you have a controlled lifter, it's, it's pretty easy to see. Um, and honestly, high squats are pretty obvious to, to call. We didn't see a lot of them yesterday. There were some. Um, most of the fails came on the bench, um, oddly enough. But, uh, and I don't know why that is, but you see that a lot. But um, it was a good day. I mean, from a coach's perspective, uh, people ask that sometimes. I mean, it's just like, you know, from a coach's perspective, you're running 10 lifters. How do you get it all together? And uh, that can be a chore. I mean, because you're mentally, like yesterday I was working with 10 different people probably 10 different mental types and it's just like coaching over time you have to get a feel for for these people and how you can push them in different ways um i had lifters having great days i had some starting out having bad days but then turned them around um and it's just knowing how to how to push these people some people you can get in their ass and uh, excuse my language but some people you can get in and say hey man pull your head out of your butt and let's do this and then others you got to coddle a little more it just depends on you know what kind of lifter there are not a lot of people um in coaching in my opinion respond well to negative negativity you know where <laughs> come on you piece of crap why don't you get this you suck you know there's there's not a lot of people that respond to coaching that way um positive reinforcement is much better in my opinion with everybody i mean sadly you see some of that negativity sometimes um being used as coaching but, uh, you know, I, I just find that it doesn't work that well um, for anybody. I know with me, I mean, if you're going to be super negative with me and this and that, um, it's just like anything in life. I'll probably backlash against you and uh, just do it worse, you know, just to shut up. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, in the same token, I'm also... I just don't want to be messed with during a meet. And you got to figure out if you have lifters like that. It's like, I just want to be left alone, come wrap my knees, and leave me alone. It's like, get away from me because I'm in my own little special place. And I don't want to be bugged at all. Um, I have some lifters like that, and there's some that want you on top of them all the time. Um, and then as a coach, it's also just figuring out the flight. If you got multiple people in the flight, like I had, I had five ladies in one flight. So it's trying to time everything right. Like, you're lifter number four, you're lifter number seven. Okay, you're 10 out, you're 11 out. How many minutes you got? Okay, we need to get you ready. You know, Shirley's up on the platform. That means you're on in the hole. So let's get you wrapped, ready to go, so you're not staying in your wraps too long. Um, things like that. Powerlifting meets, in my opinion, are a little easier than Olympic lifting meets um, because at least we know the flight order through the whole thing um, fairly closely. If there's a big jump, there might be a shift. But we know you're going to be, if you're 10 out, you're going to be 9 through 12 or something. You know, all the time it's going to run through that. Whereas Olympic lifting means there's all that jumping around and 
you know, at one minute you think, okay, we're 16 lifters out. And the next thing you know, oh, crap, we're 10 lifters out. Oh, we're five lifters out because all these people jumped. So there's a lot more jumping and moving around and things like that. Coaching-wise, it's a little tougher. Um, there's no following yourself in powerlifting meets and things like that. But anyways, it was a good day. I kind of crossed the – picked up. Questions that covered multiple subjects from how did powerlifting help you in in the rest of your life to, like, again, I said, talking to lifters that were having not-so-great days, talking to lifters that had great days, asking different questions. So I hope you enjoy it, and, uh, you know, maybe I can do a little better next time getting around and asking questions. I didn't, I didn't as a coach, uh, budget my time wisely, so... Um, I'm lucky in that I have a, a wonderful wife that's supportive of me, and that's another thing that people forget about is just the the uh, the time commitment to something like this as a lifter and as a coach. I mean, most of us have have families and lives outside of this, so it's it's finding that support system to allow you to do this. I mean, it was a long day. Uh, we left the house and got to the venue at eight thirty. I got back or left the venue at five thirty p.m. So was at nine hours you know, away from kids and family straight at a meet so and my wonderful wife brought me food and things like that in midterm but the kids let them run around my little boy was running around naked laughing so it was it was pretty amazing everybody's like that must be phil's kid he's running around naked he's like yeah what are you what are you trying to say so um anyways i hope you enjoy these questions there's not a ton of them but you know we got some content there for you and uh maybe it'll spur further questions and we'll get some other stuff going so all right guys Okay, everybody, this is Phil. We're here at the Kansas, what is it, Sunflower State Games of Powerlifting. I've got 10 lifters, and we're just doing something new on the show here. Basically, I'm going to go around and ask some lifters just different questions. So first is Becky. She's a new lifter with me in the 165 weight class. She hit a 350 squat, 145 bench, and a 360 deadlift. Went for a fourth and got called for a hitch on a 380 deadlift in her first meet. But anyways, the question is... What advice would you have for any other first-time lifters? Bring lots of food. <laughs> I forgot to bring food. Um, and uh, try not to be nervous. Don't think about it. Just go and do what you've been training for. Thank you. All right, everybody. Again, we are here at the Sunflower State Games. I've got the man, the myth, the legend, Dow Gaines with me here. Didn't have the meat he wanted to so far, but still a good meat. Opened at a 722 squat, went 766, and got called on a weird command. Uh, rushed, he, he squatted before he got the squat command. Um, and then, anyways, went through that, and then we benched 384, 10 ish? 385. A 385. 407. 407, 435. So the question is. After all that, and we've been here 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, we've been here about six hours. How do you now keep the energy, keep yourself hyped up to go in there and attempt to pull 800? Uh, I actually, I, I kind of take a different approach to it. Um, I kind of save everything for the deadlift, so I come into the meet. You know, you should be ready for a meet, so you shouldn't really have to get that psyched up for a, for a squat. Like you, the, the meet itself should psych you up enough, and then... Taking the time from that, 
you know you got good teammates you can kind of keep your keep your mind right with whenever you're benching because nobody really cares about the bench so it's kind of hard to stay super motivated for that but it helps you conserve energy throughout and then i'll i'll, I'll start to go towards the coffees or the uh, pre-workouts or the energy drinks coming into the deadlift to get me psyched up from the rest of the day well good luck let's see if we can get that 800 pull Okay, here we are again. Now I've got another one of my lifters. This is Matt Holkwing. So kind of a unique situation, but one I've seen other lifters in. Matt came in. We're opening with something easy. He get crushed. He got crushed by it. We came back. It did it again. So now we're two in the hole. You need one lift to stay in the meet. I've seen a lot of people bomb out because they're in this situation. What did you do, and how do you, you know, get in the right mindset to come back and now make this lift that you have to have? Well, the, the, easy, the hardest thing was to stay centered and stay focused on it and, and remember that a couple of weeks before I'd hit that number for a triple. So that was the big thing when I went in with the opener. You know, we set triples and go for the opener on that. And so based off of that, it was just a mental game, just, just realizing, staying in the game mentally, realizing that I was in, staying in the moment and, and, getting, and just uh, remembering that, yes, I've hit this before, I've done this before, and kind of was able to set my mindset back into training so it felt like more of the last rep felt like more of a training rep more of a more of an actual you know training rep than it did competition it felt more like an opener on the last one and a lot of that was just reminding myself that yes you've already hit this for three and 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 just reminding myself of that that i've hit this for a triple a couple of weeks before good good and matt came back and smoked it made it look like an opener so (laughs) finally but we'll have more thanks all right everybody we're back this is phil again and I've got two master's class lifters that are women. The question for them is going to be, you know, they both started in this late. Nan now is a world record holder, um, so she's like a certified badass. Mimi just did her first meet and set some state records. So the question anyway is, how did coming in and finding powerlifting then help other aspects of your life? Who wants to go first? I guess I go first. Um, you it's know, I Mimi. Hey, it's, yeah, it's Mimi. Hey, hey, y'all. Um, basically, I started powerlifting to lift myself out of a depression after my oldest son had uh, committed suicide. And I found myself uh, failing in all parts of my life. I found uh, the gym. I found powerlifting. And in the recent years, I've well, in the last couple months, I've lost my dad, my stepmom, and a boy very close to me just last week um, took his own life. So... Going to the gym has kept me going. It has helped me focus. It's helped me learn that I can overcome anything when I focus on just the lift. So powerlifting really saved my life. Nan here, world record holder. <laughs> the um, Coming to the gym basically saved my life. Uh, four years ago, I couldn't get off the couch. I weighed 280-some pounds. I uh, was diabetic, and since I've started lifting, I am now uh, insulin-free. So I was taking that two times a day, and I am squatting, and I am able to do it on my own. And it's it's given me a whole new family that I didn't anticipate. Yep. Thank you, ladies. We love you. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> Perfect. Count towards my total. My total is eight fourteen. Okay. Don't count them. All right, so we are back again. This time we've got Whitney Williams. She's in the big people class. 
She usually competes 123, this time 132. She got an 814 total today, so congrats on that. One thing that we're seeing in powerlifting is there's a shit ton more women involved. Why would you say that is? The biggest reason is the gender roles are being reversed everywhere. You see a lot more men in little clothes and skinny jeans, and you see a lot of women coming in putting on a lot of muscle and throwing some weight around. But also, another big reason, I think, is a lot of women who grew up being a little bigger. This is a way for them to kind of channel that and turn it into muscle and put it towards something positive. So I've talked to a lot of women who grew up overweight, and now they're able to use that weight towards something positive and blow some weight up. So... Congrats to that. Good Thank job. You. Yeah. <laughs> Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store. Uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.